Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, folks, and thanks for tuning in to AOA here today. We've got a lot to talk about on today's program. We're going to touch on the markets here in just a moment with Chris Robinson of Robinson Ag Marketing. Then in segment two, we're going to talk with Richard Fordyce, former director of uh, Missouri Department of Agriculture, former head of the Farm Service Agency, will join the show. We're going to talk about the impacts he's seeing broadly across ag businesses and get an update from his cow herd there in Missouri. In segment three, Senator Charles Grassley, Iowa senior senator, Republican, will be joining the program. We're going to talk about what's developing in China, what the Senate's role in perhaps adding military assistance to Taiwan might be over this next year. Plus, we're going to talk about some of the ag issues that he always keeps his uh, finger on the pulse of. And we're going to close today with Mr. Greg Solier, ag meteorologist. We're going to talk about this cold snap and just how long it's going to be sticking with us. Before we get to all of that, though, let's talk markets. Chris Robinson joins us today. And Chris, it looks like the wheat market caught a little bit of a bid in the overnight trade. Yeah, the uh, wheat's the one green green on the screen at this point, which is... Uh... A plus if you're a producer uh, you know the, the I think the news out of Ukraine that they planted less than half of the acres that they were going to plant uh, they thought they were going to plant less than half of what they planted last year that's holding up there as well um, but you also have a situation where the traders are selling corn and beans and actually buying wheat so you don't see that very often but they're, they're doing the opposite of that spread today all right. Well, with that trade happening, selling that corn and, and bean market here, Chris, watching beans were down 11, 12 cents here this morning. Where do you see the weakness going? What technical levels are you watching here in the bean market? Well, technical levels, we've got no expiration, right, which comes on Tuesday. So that's uh, also driving this because anybody that's long Nove is going to be selling Nove, rolling it into JN. So there's a little bit of that going on. Um, it's the second time, you know, we had, we had a good USDA or a friendly USDA report back in Seth for beans. We saw we got north of 15 bucks. This, this report, it was friendly for beans again. We got north of 14 bucks. It just can't hold it. Um, when a market gets good news and cannot hold the bids, that's always something to worry about. Uh, as far as where there might be support, you, you got to go to the round number, 1350, then, then uh, $13.25, $13. Why is that? Well, there's a lot of options down there that uh, may or may not go off. So that will probably be the target if we do have a flush here. I'm more concerned where we're going to be next week. Lots of times we get a reset after these options expire. So if you've got options expiring, please replace them. Um, I don't care if they're, if they're calls or puts because the market tends to reprice a couple days after these options expire. That's a great point. Just because your options expire doesn't mean, well, it means you're out of the money. So you got to jump back in and pay attention. Chris, you mentioned yeah. soybeans there and the, the, the inability for that market to maintain these price levels. That's coupled with news we got earlier today or perhaps yesterday that Brazil soybean exports and corn exports are off on a tear this year. That's surprising, isn't it? Well, you know, it's a currency and also the fact that uh, if they have a choice, they're going to buy the cheaper market. So right now our corns, I think it's 16% more expensive than South America's corn. So they're going to go there. And the market's anticipating a big uh, crop. I mean, they're going to plant fence, uh, fence post to fence post. You look at next year's prices, these 23 corn is still north of 6 bucks. It's 618 You look at uh, November 23, 
uh, beans still uh, well north of thirteen bucks, thirteen forty-one. Wasn't that long ago we were worried about eight and nine dollar beans. So these are levels that people are not going to let pass by. South America, they're going to try and plant as much as they possibly can, and that's the way a free market works. Unfortunately, it puts pressure on our beans and corn. It does. It does. And, but it puts pressure globally on supply, which might help uh, disencourage some other folks from putting more beans in the ground, specifically Argentina. Chris, they've got weather yes, struggles. Sir. What's your anticipation on that crop coming out of Argentina this year? Well, it may be a little bit less than I think people were, were expecting. Argentina, you know, we'll, we'll see as those yield reports come in. This is the time of the year where, you know, we'll start moving overnight with those yield reports coming out of Argentina for sure. Um, I also believe that if we end the year in the U.S. and we do have very, very tight stocks, if there are any hiccups at all down in South America, that could be friendly. If we are south of 200 million bushels carryout for soybeans, uh, that's, you know, you're a pipeline issue. So it doesn't take many bumps in the road to, uh, you know, we could get a, a, a you know, a, a bull move. So uh, if you're a producer in America and you're looking for higher prices, I hate to say it, but you kind of have to hope for a weather hitch in South America. Well, that certainly makes sense, particularly this time of year. Chris, thinking of tight supply, we're not just seeing it in the grains, we're also seeing it in the cattle market. We've got that cattle on feed report coming out this next Friday here at the end of this week. What are your expectations, or I guess what the, what is the trade anticipating for total cattle on feed numbers? Yeah, we're, we're, we're expecting, I think, the 10-year low and uh, the size of the herd, and that's kind of reflected. The, the cattle market has been kind of subject to the whims of the, of the stock market, unfortunately. We just had a nasty sell-off in the stock market. That pushed down a lot, the fat cattle and the feeders, feeders especially. Um, that's rebounding. I think people are starting to look ahead and start to realize that at the end of the day, we're going to be trading two things, supply and also exports. Exports have held up. Um, the doom and gloom that people are going to stop buying beef because of a recession has not uh, really hit the market at this point, and we continue to have good exports to the rest of the world. So the demand's holding up. You've got key technical levels. These fat cattle, if these fat cattle can take out 152, that will be a new move higher. And I think people are looking at that. Also, the investment community. Here's an interesting thing. They have a big short position in feeder cattle, the short 10,000 contracts. If feeder cattle keep rallying, they're going to have to buy those back. So they're paying to be a cow-calf producer's gain. Um, you know, so look for that opportunity. If we can get November feeders above 180, I think uh, that will be a big level where these managed funds who are short um, would have to cover them. And why did they get short? Well, they were all panicking at the bottom uh, in this last sell-off in the stock market. Well, Chris, we're only two two bucks away from that uh, 180 level there in the November feeder contract. Do you think we can get there? I think so. I mean, especially if we have continued follow-through buying. We made a new high this morning, and we've slipped back from there. It's how we settle, which is important. But you know, just four or five days ago, we were down at 172, which is the lowest price that we've had since May. So the market was very oversold. The feeder cattle are the one is the one part of the protein complex that hasn't had a good retracement. Uh, you see, it, we saw a really good bounce in um, lean hogs, a really good bounce in fat cattle, and uh, so we have to look and see if feeder cattle can can follow the lead of those other two. But I think that, you know, psychologically, 180 is a big level. If we settle, settle above 180, not just trade there. If we settle above 180, I think the uh, managed funds will just hit the buy button and reset. But, Chris, we're getting close to expiration on there. What's your timeline for that 180 in November? 
Well, I mean, I think the other thing is, too, that the funds will roll their positions if they want to. So if we will go from November, which you're right, those, those expire in 29 days. I'd imagine that would happen um, sometime in the next two to three weeks. Um, I'm really interested to see how the cattle trade after this cattle on feed. If we get a super bullish cattle on feed, that may be the, the, uh, the catalyst, you know, or the, the kerosene on the fire to get, the guys, to get these guys to throw the towels in because um, that's yeah. their one short position. You know, they're long hogs, they're long cattle. Um, they may need to flip and get long feeders, hopefully. All right, we'll be watching that Cattle on Feed report comes out on Friday. Chris, thanks for your insight. We've been talking to Chris Robinson of Robinson Ag Marketing. Always appreciate you joining the show. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. And folks, stick around. We're going to talk with Richard Fordix here when AOA returns. Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. As a farmer, growing your business is more than just a nine to five. It's your life's work. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System goes all in to help you stay on top. Backed by decades of innovation, offering the latest trait technology and triple herbicide tolerance, plus more weed species controlled than any other soybean system. Because you mean business, and so do we. Learn more at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know Good morning, sir. How you doing, Richard? Define I'm your good. future you? at channel.com. Fantastic. Hey, you sound great. I think this is going to be rock solid. And if you want, you can shut your camera off. We're not going to use the, uh, the video at all. So don't feel like I got to be uh, staring at you the whole time. All right, sir. Perfect. Well, hey, I'm going to put you on. I'm going to turn the radio back on. I'm going to mute us and we'll go on the air here in about a minute and a half. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. What happens to this grain after it leaves your operations and enters the global supply chain? That's what we're going to talk about each month on the monthly grind. Again, that's the first Wednesday of every month. And you can also find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a show you don't want to miss. This is the place most people think of when they hear that a seed has been engineered for superior performance and designed with proven genetic traits. Because something like that could only come from a lab, right? But this is where Allegiant Seed by CHS comes from. It's made by farmers for farmers. Its advanced genetics and unbeatable value are proven here in their fields to make sure they do the job in yours. Talk to your CHS retailer about Allegiant Seed today or learn more at AllegiantSeed.com. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. 
U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Our next guest is a man who has worn a lot of hats in the industry of agriculture. He's a farmer down around Bethany, Missouri. He was past head of the Missouri Department of Agriculture and past head of the U.S. FSA. And his name is Richard Ford. I see joins us today. And Richard, we're going to have you put on those different hats as we go through the interview. And I want to start with your farmer hat. How are things looking down there around Bethany? Well, Mike, uh, first of all, it's good to be with you this morning. Um, you know, I, things look good. The you know harvest is obviously well on its way. Um, you know, different operations, you know, started with different crops. I know we started in soybeans, um, you know, when we when we first, you know, got the combines rolling and we finished we finished soybean harvest on Friday. And, you know, now we're um, <clears throat> we're going to look to get uh, get really rolling on corn. We've done some corn. Yields have been, you know, quite, quite good. Um, I think, you know, I've heard some exceptional yields that, um, you know, just, just in kind of hearsay and visiting with folks, um, you know, but we, you know, our, our soybeans were, you know, our 60s, 60s, lower 60s, if you take all the acres and all the bushels and, you know, divide them out. Um, and then, you know, corn yields have been really quite good. You know, I've heard some amazing corn yields. We've yet to, we, we've yet to find that amazing field. Um, but, uh, you know, they're around 200, uh, a little above, a little below. Um, but then, but then some really exceptional yields, but it's getting dry here. We haven't had rain for, uh, I don't know. We've had, we haven't had rain for probably a month and a half that really measures anything. Geez, that is something else. And Richard, I know you're also in the cattle business. How are pasture conditions holding up with that lack of moisture? Well, so, you know, Mike, we had we had pretty decent moisture throughout the summer and really late summer. Um, so we had really quite a bit of stockpiled forage in places, you know, for example, where we would hay, um, you know, we let that grow back and, you know, and certainly that's there. But we haven't seen any regrowth, you know, on pastures and that sort of thing. And, I, you know, I drive around quite a bit. And I mean, there are some pretty cleaned out pastures. Um, we're not, you know, we're not to the stage where, you know, we're, when you drive by on the road, it looks like a stubble field. You know, there's still some green there, but, but there, hasn't been much, there hasn't been much regrowth, I'd say, for the last 30 to 45 days. So, oh, geez. So it's, you know... We're not feeding hay. We've got, again, we've got plenty of stockpiled forage as we continue to harvest. Um, you know, we've got some farms that we'll be able to turn, you know, cattle out on stocks and stubble and and uh, waterways and, you know, hay fields and that sort of thing. So we're going to be OK for a while. But, um, you know, it's, you know, more from a, um, you know, going into winter, you really hate to have that soil dry, right? You like to have that soil a little saturated, so you do get some freezing and thawing, and it's a little more impactful, you know, going into the growing season next year. And, you know, right now, our soil, at least the at least topsoil moisture has got to be, it's got to be low. Oof, boy. 
That is a struggle. It's going to be a challenge all winter long. Doesn't look like there's a whole lot of relief in the forecast. Richard, I'm going to ask you to put a different hat on. Your current role, in addition to farming, you're the business growth director for agriculture there at Osborne Bar Paramore. So you get a chance to work with a lot of businesses here in the ag ecosystem. And I'm curious, what challenges are you hearing from business owners in this environment today? Yeah, that is a great question. And, and you know, while, you know, at least some parts of you know, of our production geography, you know, are seeing some good yields and certainly, you know, prices are kind of hanging in there. You know, it's it's um, you know, maybe just to deviate a little bit, you know, we're seeing some USDA reports, um, you know, WASD reports and those sorts of things that are in, that are that are still putting support in the market, which is, you know, which is a good thing. But but, you know, we think about, you know, input costs, certainly what what do those look like? We've you know, we've seen a little bit of a, of a downward move in potash and phosphate, you know, nitrogen still kind of hanging in there at, at some pretty high prices, you know, availability of, of, you know, of inputs going into next year, I think, are some things that folks are talking about and thinking about, but, you know, we're in harvest. And so logistically, how do you move that crop? How do you move that crop to market? How do you move that crop to export? And, you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of conversation here, in the last couple three weeks about you know the the river levels on the ohio the mississippi the missouri um and you know the ability for barges to navigate you know those waterways and and navigate those waterways loaded and you know have a full barge tow to get down the lower mississippi and those are certainly being impacted by the shortage of rain and by the lower water levels um you know we also are you know just looking at um what what are what are farmers' intentions? You know, we know that we we're seeing some historically high wheat prices. Uh, USDA they're talking about you know uh, the ability for farmers to be able to insure double crop soybeans. Are we going to see more more wheat planted this fall? You know, I think if we had moisture, I think we'd see a lot of wheat being planted um, right now, following soybeans probably, and then with the intention of double cropping that next year. So there's just Mike. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things people are talking about and kind of up in the air about. Absolutely. And not to mention all of those concerns on top of sort of the bigger picture stuff that's buffeting all businesses, crude oil costs, interest rates going up, all of this uncertainty that's floating out there in the world today, Richard, is is frustrating. I think for a lot of folks looking at the world, trying to find some certainty, and I know you've spent many years commuting back and forth to Washington, D.C., touching base with those folks out there, and we're going to have a farm bill next year. We'd love to see some more certainty in agriculture. That might be a way in which we do it in your conversations with folks in the industry are you hearing anybody look for big changes in this next farm bill uh, you know my, i really mike i think i think it's going to have a lot to do with how the midterm elections go and you know if the democrats are able to hold you know the house and the senate um you know th those chairman those chairmanship roles whether it's in the house ag committee or the senate ag committee are pretty powerful that they kind of set priorities um, for what the discussions are going to be about, what are they, you know, where are they going to land on priorities, and and so I think it's going to be interesting to see where where we where we go with these midterm elections. And I certainly wouldn't have a prediction one way or the other. I mean, everybody can listen to the pundits and read the news and see what folks are predicting, but um, I do think it's interesting um, where we go with climate smart agriculture and how does the farm bill. How does the farm bill line up to support that or to incentivize that or to put a priority on that? And 
you know, if you look across, you know, kind of the, again, the corn and soybean production geography, you know, where I live and, and where you live and, you know, it's a big, it's a big swath of the country. There's a lot of that climate smart agriculture that's happening right now. And, and, you know, how they craft those programs or the participation in those programs or the incentivizing of those programs, I think is going to be interesting, you know, certainly. And I, and, and I do think, you know, no matter who you are, whether you're an association or, or a farmer or any, any other kind of advocate, you know, you want a safety net. That safety net's got to be strong enough um, to give you some confidence going into a growing season that, you know, that, that your investment, that massive investment that you're making to put that crop in, there is a safety net that, that supports that and protects that. And I think there'll be, hopefully, there'll be some, um, you know, some changes to crop insurance that make it more responsive, more nimble, you know, as things change, because as you know, Mike, the farm bill has a five-year lifespan and a lot of things can change in five years. And so the ability, you know, for folks to be able to pick the right products from a crop insurance perspective that fit their farm, you know, better and how they operate better, I think might be another one. But Climate Smart Ag, you know, flexibility and in crop insurance and certainly continuing to provide that, uh, that safety net that, that needs to be there. Richard, Climate Smart Ag, that is a huge buzzword. We've heard it used a lot over the past 22 months. I'm curious from your perspective, is it here to stay? Is that a phrase that's going to be worked into our discussions here long term? You know, I think it is, Mike, and I think it is because agriculture have, I mean, I think we've accepted it. Um, you know, we need to help write the definition of that for sure. Um, but I think that it's absolutely here to stay. And, and, and you know, another another really strong component as to why it's here are the folks outside of agriculture, right? So um, whether you're a consumer, if you're a regulator, you know, policymaker, if you're doing things that are promoting, you know, a good, um, you know, a positive climate going forward, um, you know, you're going to get a lot more people on board to support those efforts. And again, I do think it's absolutely critical and it's happening. It's not like, it's not like agriculture sitting on the sidelines while this is happening. I mean, there are, you know, there are very um, strong, very well-informed following the data discussions about how agriculture can contribute to, to a climate smart, um, you know, future. And I think that, I think it absolutely is here to stay. In what form or fashion, I think that's yet to be defined, but yes, it's here to stay. And how crucial it is that agriculture is a part of that definition. Richard, thank you so much for joining us, folks. We've been talking with Richard Fordyce, the Business Growth Director for Ag at Osborne Bar Paramore, farmer down there at Bethany, Missouri. Richard, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. And folks, stick around. We're going to be talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. These acres you've put your life into. Your view each Thank you, Richard. Morning. Always appreciate it, sir. Hey, changes. I always love talking to, to you, man. To Let's, do Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. I'll get it scheduled. So I'm not shooting you a message at seven in the morning. Thank you for jumping on, Richard. Absolutely. Thanks. Have a good one. Provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD and you can help. 
Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill. Or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. As we get caught up in what's happening in the market trade on Wednesday, we see fairly mixed activity with wheat markets. Uh, They've been trading in positive territory, but are off the highs of the overnight session. We're just kind of firm in the wheat markets, while soybeans have been down moderately and corn has kind of been down moderately as well. Both core beans just kind of caught under some of the seasonal harvest pressure with a lack of fresh headlines to really trade in the markets. We, of course, are watching the war continue to escalate in Ukraine with Ukrainian forces making significant advances and retaking control of territory previously occupied by Russian forces while Russia continues its escalated attack on Ukrainian infrastructure across the country of Ukraine. So a lot of things that we're going to be watching with that situation. We're also looking at uh, what's happening with export demand. Chinese cash sources have noted that they purchased more than 20 cargoes of beans on Monday and Tuesday without materially impacting U.S. futures. It's not yet known how many of those cargoes came from the U.S. market, but We know that some came from South America, and that's been the case lately amid high barge freight rates on the Mississippi River. Strong dollar, strong VIX going to continue to provide headwinds for the grain and oilseed markets as well, while supply and demand fundamentals provide support for now. Wheat was the leader to the upside again here overnight into the day due to the geopolitical risks, while quarter bean prices struggling amid the ongoing harvest and lack of fresh bullish news to counter the Wall Street fears. Meantime, in the livestock trade, mostly mixed to start off Wednesday's action. Cattle on feed report coming on Friday. It's widely expected that that report will show a shrinking cattle herd finally. We'll have to see what traders do in advance of that report. No cash activity so far this week. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you making us a part of your day today. Now we're going to take our focus to Washington, D.C. Joining us for this next segment is Iowa's senior senator, Republican Charles Grassley, joins us now. Senator, thanks for joining us here on AOA. 
Well, you know, I'm always happy to be with you. Thank you for having me, and I like to talk agriculture. It's the number one issue I like to discuss in the Congress of the United States. Absolutely. And ag needs a good voice there in Washington. Senator, before we talk ag issues specifically, I, I want to talk bigger picture world issues, notably the rising tensions around the world. Right now, we've got China. The, the Communist Congress is happening. President Xi Jinping is going to get a third term. And I'm curious, how does that change your assessment of the risks over in that region? Yeah, well, I, if I look at it from the standpoint of agriculture, I don't think it's going to change uh, much for agriculture because uh, they don't have enough uh, arid land to grow enough food for one and four-tenths billion people, and they're going to have to be importing a lot of food, and a lot of that's going to have to come from the United States. It won't all come from the United States, but uh, based on their need for food, I think it's uh, it uh, doesn't affect uh, whether he's president for two terms or three terms or down the road four terms uh but he's going to stay in power until he dies you can see that for sure and so it's uh it's something we have to live live with but i think that it's more important uh, to think in terms of his threat uh to the safety of the united states uh, with his uh spending on military and increased spending on military he's uh, he's uh increasing his spending more than we are in the united states and we've got to do more to protect the Americans because the protecting of Americans, our national security, is the number one responsibility of the federal government. Absolutely. A government that can't protect its own people isn't much of a government. Senator, with that in mind, the, the fear created by China's rising military activity, there's conversations now to help arm Taiwan, which I'm sure will come before the Senate eventually. Curious as to your take on that. Is that a direction we want to be going? Uh, yes, we do. But remember, this is not American taxpayers' dollars uh, helping uh, Taiwan have a strong military. They pay er every cent of it. Uh, the only thing that has to go through Congress is permission to do it. And I think that, uh, that uh, that's uh, not a controversial issue in the Congress of the United States. Okay. All right. So it's going to happen most likely. And I think you're right. We're just going to have to live with the world that we're in right now, Senator. That's, uh, that's interesting to think about here as you look to the future. Well, you, yes, but uh, it isn't something that's just brand new uh, for uh, going back to 1979 when we uh, w were uh, going to agree with China that China should replace uh, Taiwan on the UN Security Council, and we were going to recognize China, and we were going to send ambassadors to China because for uh, 25 or years we hadn't done that. We passed the Taiwan Relations Act. Now that that's not a that's not a military treaty. It just says that we are going to be very concerned about the independence of Taiwan. And uh, and it doesn't say that we're going to go to war to save them or anything like that. But you've got to remember, ever since 1979, we have had some sales, uh, and how many, I don't know, but periodically a lot of sales of military equipment uh, to Taiwan. All right. So that is going to continue. Senator, while we're thinking international affairs, certainly OPEC has been in the news here this past week with an announcement to lower their quota on production. Makes me think of your NOPEC bill. Can you give us an update on the discussions around that? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, first of all, remember, we wouldn't be worried about what OPEC was doing because when we were energy independent and when we were exporting um, oil than we're exporting right now, we more more or less were uh, made OPEC a, a non-entity uh, because it didn't do them any. They they couldn't control the world market when the United States was in there selling our oil. It just diluted everything. The power of OPEC. So now we we're in the energy independent. We're asking Saudi Arabia to send more oil to us. The president was promised a half a million barrels. Well, he's embarrassed by the fact that not only we're not going to get that half a million barrels, uh, we're going to get a two million barrel cut uh, on the worldwide market. And so uh, uh, OPEC is back uh, in power. And in power, uh, they can manipulate the price. So the NOPEC bill would just apply American antitrust laws uh, to the monopolistic power of OPEC. And I think we're getting enough support for it now that we can maybe get it in uh, passed before the end of the year. Uh, and uh, That's, that's and, interesting. And, and it is bipartisan. It was uh, you and Senator Klobuchar, yeah. right, that authored that piece of legislation? Yeah, very definitely. And it got out of committee on a bipartisan vote. And uh, it's been around for a few years. In fact, when Biden was in the United States Senate, he even uh, was in favor of it. And, uh, and we shouldn't have Biden insist on relying on dirty foreign oil. Uh, we should be uh, doing our own and be a major competitor to OPEC so they can't have a stranglehold not only on the United States, but on the price of oil worldwide. We should be drilling at home. And, you know, uh, my opponent thinks that uh, Biden's doing a fabulous job, and he would think that uh, that uh, this is the right thing to do. And uh, I don't. I want to drill at home. I want to be energy independent. Uh, I want to, uh, to, uh, uh, to do more fracking, take the regulations off fracking. And this administration has said to the banks, don't loan to energy companies. So you got any wonder why... Uh, 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 gasoline went from $2.20 when he was sworn in uh, up to $5 at one time, now $3.69 in Cedar Falls, Iowa. So I think it's $3.79 now. And, uh, and all those things that are bad. And, you know, the cost of diesel at $5.10 uh, is uh, ripples through the economy that you can't c – uh, account for it being a factor like you can when you put $3.79 gas in your gasoline tank. But everything you buy is hauled on truck, and uh, it, and it's going to have a ripple effect in the economy. About half of the 8 and 2 tenths percent inflation is related uh, to the price of diesel. Yeah, it sticks around, that's for sure. And Senator, when we're thinking about energy independence, of course, a crucial component of that was the, the addition of ethanol and biodiesel from American farmers. We're still looking to get year-round E15 sales. Is there any legislation you're tracking in the Senate that might help get that across the finish line? Yes, another Grassley, uh, or I should say Klobuchar, Grassley, Ernst bill, yes. Uh, Ernst and Grassley are looking out for the 46,000 people in Iowa that work for the biofuels industry. And uh, and that's another thing. 
when uh, when my opponent wants this green energy and electric cars, uh, does he think about uh, 46,000 people being put out of work if every car is electric? Because if you don't use gasoline in your car, you're not going to be using ethanol in your car. That's true. That's true. That is uh, the the demand concern coming down the line. Senator, while we've got you on the line, a, a topic we've been covering all summer with you on the show has been your your work on the cattle market price discovery and transparency bill. It's made it out of committee. Where does that sit in the Senate as we head into midterms and uh, look at the lame duck session? Well, let me give the bad news. The bad news is supposed to come up in July, and it didn't come up in July. And then we were in three weeks in September, and it was supposed to come up in September, and didn't come up in September. So Tester, Fisher, and I, we're the leaders in this area, and that's a bipartisan group of people. We met, and we're, uh, we're going to make a big push to get it done uh, between now and Christmas. Because uh, if it doesn't get done by then, then it's got to start all over again in the new Congress. Uh, we got to fight hard for the cattle feeders of the Midwest. Uh, you know, this cozy relationship between the big feedlots of Texas and Kansas with, with a monopoly of the four big uh, meat packers uh, just squeezes the person that wants to, to negotiate a daily price. Uh, it, it, it just uh, it makes it impossible to have enough shackle space uh, for the daily uh, to get, uh, even, even if you get a price, uh, you, uh, uh, you, maybe you can't sell. I had a farmer within the last two weeks tell me this, that somebody, he called up to get a price, they gave him a price, and he, they said to him, if you don't take this price, you're not going to get another offer from me. That's the power of these people and uh, the, these big four packers. Uh, we got to end that. And this legislation that you're asking me about will end it. Uh, by the way, you said at the beginning of this program, it's always good to talk about agriculture because agriculture is so important. So for me and Tester, we're the two grain farmers in the United States Senate. We got to speak up for agriculture. And that's why it's very important to keep these farmers in the United States Senate. Absolutely, it is. We continue to see less and less representation for farmers in that body. So glad to have you there and Senator Tester working on behalf of agriculture. We've been speaking with Iowa's senior Senator Republican Charles Grassley. Senator, thank you so much for joining us on AOA today. Thank you for having me. Goodbye. Well, folks, stick around when AOA returns. We're going to take another look at the forecast with Greg Solier, Ag Meteorologist from This Week in Agribusiness. So stick around for more AOA coming up right after this. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized
has recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. I'd walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at adspipe.com. We all know clean fields lead to strong yields. That's why ExtendFlex soybeans offer triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate to control more weed species than any other soybean system. Even tough weeds like water hemp, palmer amaranth, and mare's tail. Get the control, flexibility, and proven performance you need so you can focus on the business at hand instead of beating back weeds. Explore the Roundup Ready Extend crop system at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. And we're live here outside the Perez family home just waiting for the... And there they Mr. go. Mr. Solier, we get you on the line. This morning. Yes, Mom we do, sir. Good morning. How are you? I am fantastic, sir. Thanks for jumping on. Greg, you sound great. You on the phone? You on the computer? Yeah, did you just do it? Diapers and toys are everywhere. Ooh, but mom has just nailed the perfect car seat buckle for the toddler. And now the eldest daughter who looks right, it works and it sounds great. So just so you know, I'm going to start the segment talking about Black Monday from 1987 for about a minute, and then we'll throw to you and we'll talk about it. Still on the roof of the car. Beautiful, thank you, Grace. Here we go. That's a shame. That mug was a fam favorite. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just nail the big stuff. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 
This is Ernie Johnson Jr. Sports is about overcoming obstacles, and college coaches work hard to help young men overcome Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's called Coach to Cure MD, and you can help. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online to coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501. Help coaches cure MD. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. You know, before we go too much further, today is an anniversary. 35 years ago today, October 19th, 1987, it was Black Monday on Wall Street. 35 years ago, we saw the Dow give up 508 points in one day. I say that out loud now because we've seen 508 point swings in the Dow many, many times over this past year. But in 1987, that 508 point swing to the downside in the Dow Jones Industrial Average was equal to about 22% of the value of the Dow starting the morning, October 19th, 1987. Today, just to put things in context, if we were to have another market hiccup like we saw in, in on Black Monday, we would need the Dow to fall in one day 6,715 points. That would be the corollary. That would be 22 points down from where the Dow is trading today at 30,573. Economic growth is an incredible thing, even if it's being impacted by inflation here in 2022. It's also being impacted by weather. We're seeing disruptions all throughout uh, America's inland waterway system brought on by the dryness we heard mentioned by Richard Fordyce earlier in today's episode. Now we're going to talk with Mr. Gray. Greg Solier, meteorologist from This Week in Agribusiness. He joins us here. And Greg, it has gotten cold across much of the Corn Belt. Is that going to stick around through the weekend? Absolutely, positively not. Yeah, this is not a vanguard to a pattern shift to a long-lasting cold. And usually you get these kind of colds, you would have preceded it by, you know, with some sense of significant major moisture-making gains. Uh, and or delays uh, out there with harvest operations. Uh, none of that has applied around here. It's usually a cold stop, probably just a easing of what has been sort of a logger jam of the past a few weeks of tropical systems, in particular the slow movement of Ian. And anytime you get those things coming up across the Atlantic basin, the whole west to east progression of uh, weather across the North American continent tends to slow on up. So once we got that out, here came the cold, and yeah, it's cold this morning, 30 to 32 all the way down into parts of Louisiana, northern Mississippi. Another run of uh, readings as cold as 18, 19 degrees in northwestern uh, Missouri, and we certainly effectively ended the growing season in many areas, obviously, in the Corn Belt, the Ohio Valley, where just a couple of days ago they had snow as far south as Louisville, and some of that uh, frost as well in the western Carolinas, northern Georgia. But yeah, look at temperatures later on today. Our friends in Big Sky Country will be up into the 70s, and tomorrow the Black Hill and up through a uh, big sky will be pushing the 80 degree bar great news for comfort and yeah, maybe getting things ready to go in the long haul 
of uh, winter time and livestock operations and getting feed readies to be in supplies. But, you know, these drier grounds, these drought ridden grounds of which we've seen an expansion usually is an indicator of uh, uh, the ability of the atmosphere to warm up and heat up. And even here we are in the second half of October and 80 degree warmth, even 90 expected down through Texas. So, uh, yeah, some warmer days ahead. And uh, while there'll be some cooling next week, it still looks to be a pretty mild uh, conclusion by and large to the month of October, with the exception again of the first half of next week over the western half of the country. And that first half of next week, Greg, that western impact, when does it develop? Does it start on Monday? Uh, well, actually, it gets going over the course of the weekend, and by the time we get to Sunday and Monday, there ought to be a pretty impressive low, uh, probably centered somewhere around Goodland Garden City. Uh, the web of pressure lines are packed, so we have warmth and wind on one side of the system, cooler to colder on the other side, and it's not enough to obviously bring these waterways up to where we need to be, and it's not expected to be in a La Nina year, La Nina winter season, so we're going to have to deal with these uh, low water issues across the Mississippi, Missouri, and or Ohio valleys, but there'll be moisture. It'll get in the way of delays and, and you know harvest delays, but we're making good gains and should be able to do so right through the weekend. Uh, but there'll be showers and thunderstorms on the front side for the Corn Belt, eastern and southern plains, probably severe weather. And let's keep an eye on between Sunday night, Monday, Monday night, Tuesday for our friends up in the Canadian Prairie, maybe the eastern parts of uh, Montana, North Dakota. There will be a shift from rain to snow. It is that time of the year. Uh, and uh, so we'll keep an eye on that potential for maybe an accumulating snow and winter storm possibly kind of going that general direction. But again, it's moisture. And then just as quickly as the cooler, the colder air moves in over the western half of the country, slight cooling in the eastern states after a big warm up, or at least the eastern Corn Belt, uh, we're back to another milder go around here. So at least we get moisture, gets in the way of harvest, you know, but it's a trade-off. You want moisture this time of the year. You want those streams and rivers up where they need to be. It's the trade-off between that and some harvest delays. We'll try to keep things kind of balanced here in the weeks to come. Yeah, that's the truth. And, you know, it has been so dry for mo so many growers here across the Corn Belt throughout harvest. I've talked to a lot of folks who have just been running nonstop, anticipating a weather delay that usually gives them a little break, and they just haven't come this year. So yeah. they, they might be looking forward to a little bit of moisture slowdown on the farms there. Greg, with that being the case, a shot of moisture here potentially this next week. What more moisture potential do you see ahead of the ground fully freezing? Uh, we, we don't see uh, a whole lot as it applies to the central and southern plains, uh, probably more so a mixed moisture for Montana, uh, the Dakotas. And La Nina years tend to be a little fickle. We do get these colder air intrusions, but it sets the jet stream buckled generally at the Missouri River. So points east of there, that buckling, uh, that U-shaped configuration, it's usually a wetter trend. And we do see that as we get deeper into November and December before the grounds freeze on up over the eastern Corn Belt locales where there are some delays, Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio, some of that lake effect rain and snow shower activities slowed those folks up a little bit. We've had better gains and should continue to do so before the rains uh, Sunday to Monday get going in the western Corn Belt. But again, they're needed, uh, but we'll continue to make good gains and we're ahead of the game with harvest in those eastern areas. And those winter wheat uh, belt areas of, from Nebraska and southward through Oklahoma and Texas, parched, uneven emergence and development. Same with parts of the Dakotas, at least some moisture, whether it comes in form of rain or snow, I'm sure will certainly be appreciated. Greg, that wheat, that winter wheat crop that is emerging, as you mentioned, it's seeing a lot of challenges in the dryness ahead. Looking out, is this going to be a brutal winter? Is there the possibility that we could freeze this crop off? Yeah, we, we could very well do that before we get any moisture in the ground. Again, there's a propensity for stormy weather in Montana, the western Canadian prairie, and then another area, Great Lakes region, a good part of the eastern Corn Belt until we can get this La Nina weather pattern to fade, and it's not really expected until some point mid to late 
winter time, you know, before we get any significant moisture back into the plains. So again, improvement eastern Corn Belt will continue with the dryness and drought western areas of the plains and some wide swings of temperatures, but generally trend towards more moisture and colder as we get deeper into the winter season, wide areas of the plains and Corn All Belt locales right. All right, lots to watch there on the weather. We'll be watching for that moisture. Greg Solier, meteorologist, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And folks, we'll be back tomorrow. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. As a farmer, growing your business is more than just a nine to five. It's your life's work. That's why the Roundup Ready Extend crop system goes all in to help you stay on top. Backed by decades of innovation, offering the latest trait technology and triple herbicide tolerance, plus more weed species controlled than any other soybean system. Because you mean business, and so do we. Learn more at systemofchoice.com. Claim based on approved EPA herbicide labels as of January 2021. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. I think farming picked me. <laughs> I didn't pick farming. I'm not afraid to try something new. It's my farm, my family, and our future. My channel Seedsman gets that. I get access to innovative products with personalized advice backed by data to maximize my yield potential. With Channel, I know I'll prosper for years to come. Define your future at channel.com slash future. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2022 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more.